WV Uncommon Place. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate series to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies reviews and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommon Place digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommon Place. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me a very, and I mean a very special guest. I have a in-the-flesh celebrity. I'm talking about this man was on a show that everyone watched on True TV. His name is Mike Grogan. You know him as Dave Cosgrove but I know him as Mike Grogan. Mike Grogan, can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and why we're here today? Well, I'm, you gave me a call. You got a hold of me on the computer and you asked me to do a podcast with you and you seem like a really nice guy. And uh, I've got a movie to promote, so uh, I agreed and here we are. All right. Now, everyone knows you as Dave Cosgrove. That is not your claim to fame, but it's one of your notorieties to fame. Could you tell us, how do you turn that switch on and off from being Dave Cosgrove and then being Mike Rogan? Uh, it, the longer you play a character, the, the more the lines get crossed up where sometimes you don't know who you are. I mean, I'll be out at a store, out at a restaurant, and if I'm seeing somebody that I know from town, they'll say, hey, Mike, how you doing? And then the next guy will say, hey, Dave, can I get a picture with you? And you just... At, at first, you get thrown a little bit by the different names they call you, but you get used to it. And um, I've, I've had many a times where I've been on a date or been out with somebody and they'll think I'm Dave and somebody will call me Mike or they'll think I'm Mike and somebody calls me Dave. And uh, then you just have a lot of explaining to do. But right now, I'm, I'm getting ready for the movie to come out on July 6th and I'm going to be Gordon in the movie. So I've got to add one more ball to juggle in the air when I'm thinking of what my name is. Okay, okay. And we'll definitely and we'll and we'll definitely dig into the movie real quick. Um, here's the thing: you were on South Beach Toe for a great deal of time. Um, it's one of those shows, and I'll tell you, this is from a fan perspective. It's one of those shows that we miss. You know, since it's been off, you know, you can catch it different ways, but a lot of people catch it on YouTube. And on YouTube, when you search Dave Cosgrove, his greatest hits, it has different antics and different things that you did on the show. And that's how people find out about you. I have a 14-year-old son, and he was a child during the infancy of your show. And then basically, you know, by the time your show ended, you know, he was older, but it was gone. So he watches you on YouTube, and he's like, Dave Cosgrove is amazing. Uh some of the hilarious stuff, especially uh, the time where you were drinking that uh, crunk juice. Yeah, the twerk drink. Yeah, the twerk drink, yes! And, and you fell out and everything, and that was amazing there. So is there anything that you want to uh, let the audience know about South Beach Towing, uh, or give any shout-outs about that real fast? 
Well, I, I'd like to thank uh, everybody that watched it. Um, we were very successful at the time we were on. Um, we got to the point where we have over 2 million viewers a week. And uh, that I thought was impressive because I learned when I was learning more and more about the TV, when you have 2 million viewers, it's not necessarily the same 2 million every week. So over a period of a couple of months, you might have really like four or five million different people tuning in one week and not the next week, or they'll catch it on YouTube or they'll catch it online or um, they'll DVR it. So you never really know how many people, but when they say you have 2 million, you know, we want a little over 2 million sometimes, um, that's really a lot more than that in reality. And so um, Bernice and, and myself um, became two of the popular people on the show. Yes. And we, th probably the neatest thing about that show was that we had fans all over the world because a lot of people don't know it was shown in countries like Ecuador and Peru and Chile and Norway and Italy. It was in Australia and the Philippines and the countries where they don't speak English, they can write you on Facebook or write to you on social media. And now you just press a button and it translates whatever they're saying. So it doesn't matter what language you speak, you can still write me and I can talk to you. And um, that was the most fascinating thing to me. But also the other, the downside of that is when I started, I had, you know, 10 fans after the first show. And then <laughs> after the second show, I had 135 and then it was thousands. And I was warned, like, be careful about writing back to people because it can be a problem. I'm like, I don't mind. Well, suddenly I had 100,000 followers. And Ooh. people were saying, oh, Dave doesn't write you back. He's a, he's a bum. And I thought it would take me all of my waking hours just to write hi to 100,000 people. And it would take me a month. So um, I hated the fact that you had some fans that were disappointed that you didn't write to them. But, and I wrote a couple times about it. I said, you know, you, you got to give me a break. I said, you know, you just can't write to 100,000 people, you know. So yes. That's, that's the downside of it. So I tried to write, uh, you know, answers to people that were um, general comments that would, you know, like I'd, if I'd answer your question, I'd try to put it in the form that if anybody else was reading it, they go, oh, that's, I, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to ask. So I tried to address things that would, you know, reach the most people I could but um and that's we had a lot of people that would come down you know being in Miami Beach a lot of tourists and they used to always come by the uh tow yard and, and want to see us and you know, some days we'd be filming sometimes we wouldn't some people thought it was fake and it was all shot on a set and then they found out Tremont was a real operation and I can't tell you how many people would pull up in front of Tremont and get out of the car and they're like oh, this is all fake. This is not real. And like you would be telling that maybe to your brother or something. And then Robbie would pull into the driveway in his truck or they'd see Christy come out and let somebody in the gate. And they're like, wow, that's that's really them. You know, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It's still there. You know, people still come by. And um, that, that was a real big problem, though, too, because you could see the phone number of the tow company and the trucks. And people used to call like at all hours of the day and night. Can I talk to Bernice? Can I talk to Dave? Is Robbie there? Is Greg there? <laughs> and like, we're trying to run a business here. And when you're running a business like that, you have to answer every single call. 
So it, it got to be uh, a, a bit dicey there, but we learned how to handle it. That's amazing. And I'll say the one thing to you, and this is another another point with me coming from a fan's perspective. You were so down to earth, like you accepted my Facebook request, like to be my friend on there, like uh, like probably two or three years ago, like three or four years ago. We've been friends on there for quite a bit of time. And you actually do, I, I know that you can have a very busy schedule, but you do at some point answer back questions or different things like that. You look at people's stories. Cause I know sometimes when I'm certain places, I can see Dave Cosgrove looked at my story on Facebook and I'm like, whoa, a celebrity looked at my story, you know? So, um, it, you know, you, you have to understand it's like with you being a celebrity, even though you may feel like you're this type of celebrity or may not even feel like one, you, your presence is just amazing to so many people. Now, let's get over here to the movie Jerry Curls. Okay. What inspired this movie? Well, our director is Will Young, and uh, he's always been fascinated by the Olympics. And uh, he, he got an idea in his head that, you know, if he was ever going to be able to be in the Olympics, curling would be one of the sports, you know, a more, a more regular type person can be. If, you, if you're going to be on a bobsled or you're going to be skiing, you got to practice that your whole life and be very skilled. Uh, not that you don't have to have skill to curl, but um, it's, it's I, I, I think of it like bowling. If you want to be a baseball pitcher or a quarterback in the NFL, you got to really have some special skills. True. But if you want to be somebody that bowls 300, you can go down to your local lanes and practice your butt off and you can do it, you know, whatever. Oh, do you see that? Somebody just, Facebook, somebody just sent me a note. Do you see that on the screen? No, I don't, I don't want to see anything. <laughs> I'm let that go. Um, yeah, I forgot to I forgot to ask you before we started this. If my phone rings, I don't know what to do. We'll hope it doesn't. Oh, yeah, you're anyway, good. To, um, you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he had this idea for a story back in the early 2000s. He was watching the Olympics and he was watching the curling, and he had already always had it in the back of his mind to write a story about this, but he wanted it to be you know a comedy. So we've taken a lot of a lot of liberties with the sport of curling. Um, and we tried to make something that was enjoyable and fun. And when you watch it, you're going to just sit back, relax, have a few laughs. It's nothing, you know, mind blowing or it's, you know, not a piece of art that someday will get an Academy Award. But it's the kind of movie I like when I go into a theater and sit down for an hour and a half. Or if I'm watching, if I'm paying whatever amount of money to watch something on, on, uh, on demand, I want to laugh. I want to enjoy myself. And when it's over, I want to say that was a, that was a fun hour and a half. So I think we did that. We had an incredible crew, and some of the cast members were just fantastic. I put up a post the other day. I got to work with people, from, and forgive me if I leave out your country, guys, girls, but they were from Chile, and they were from the Czech Republic and Chechnya and Puerto Rico and Cuba and uh, Peru. Canada and, and just all over the world and everybody came together and just worked so hard to make this thing come about so I'm, I'm so proud of everybody back at behind the scenes and all the actors and actresses they did a fantastic job now um digging a little bit into the cast of this movie um there's a familiar face from South Beach too yes there is uh, that, that's alongside with you 
on, on South Beach Toe, there was my dear, dear friend, KK, who played Bernice. Um, Bernice is not her real name. Uh, <laughs> we always called her KK. And uh, she was she was South Beach Toe. I mean, without her, we never would have had a show. She was fantastic. And people would always write me. Uh, and this is, this is true. My first shot on the show, I was only supposed to be on the show for one episode. And I got very lucky in it. My character was brought back and ended up being on there for four plus years. But the very first time I met Bernice, I was scared to death of her because <laughs> she's an amazing character behind those sunglasses, but she's just an absolutely wonderful person. Um, but people would always ask me, like, is, is Bernice really mean or does she, does she seem that gruff and everything all the time? And I would always tell them, if you watch the show, Bernice never starts anything. She would only respond if you took her glasses off. Never see an episode of South Beach Co. where Bernice, Bernice starts some kind of fight or whatever. So she's, she's just a fantastic person. So I got to work <laughs> with her and, and that was a real thrill to be back together. And the chemistry that you can see from the trailer, it, it just is just there. Now let's dig into your character, Gordon Gadbury. He's got an uphill yeah. battle to gain his family inheritance, and we don't want to take too much away from the movie. But um, how does your character prepare himself for this battle? Um, he, without without giving without giving away too much of the movie, but just how does he prepare a little bit? Well, I want to give away enough that you want to see it. So I'm okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give away the end or anything else. But um, Gordon is a very selfish, rich kid who grew up never wanting for anything. This inheritance that I'm gonna get if I do what I'm supposed to do is like 125 million dollars. Woo! But there's a stipulation in my father's will that if if I don't get it accomplished, that all the money will go to my uh, stepsister and she's not a very good person so <laughs> Gordon is lazy and got by his whole life by the skin of his teeth and now he's actually in a position where he's really got to produce he's really got to do something or he's out the door so um, every time something goes wrong he's kind of like a spoiled little brat um, but hopefully in the end, everything will turn out. I don't know for sure. I haven't seen the end of the movie. Um, and if you believe that, I got some land for sale for you. But uh, <laughs> it's a fun ride. Uh, we got to shoot in some really wonderful locations uh, in and around Miami. And uh, I, I think people are really going to enjoy it. And that's what we definitely want everyone to do. So let me ask you this about filming this movie. How was it like transitioning from a TV star to becoming a movie star? Well, the the first thing is, and I, and I used to have problems with the like the writer and the directors on the, on the TV show. I'm as far as I'm concerned, I'm just Mike Brogan, and instead of going into the office Monday morning, I go into the set, and I don't I don't think of myself as a movie star or a TV star. Uh, I just enjoy doing it. I enjoy working with the people. 
I enjoy people in general. So when they come up, um, it's, it's a thrill for me to meet a fan as much as it might be for a fan to meet me because uh, it, it's just a very special thing. But um, I, I sometimes will get mad at fans and I'll tell them and I, and I don't really mean it, but I kind of do. I, with South Beach, with South Beach Toe, sometimes I'd be out somewhere and they're like, oh, we love your show. We watch it every week. My sons like it. And I'm like, where are your sons? He goes right here. And I'm like, he's six. I'm going to call human services and have them take the kids away. You know, don't let your five or six year old watch South Beach Toe. But I was just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, and it was funny too. Sometimes people would say like, oh, I love that show. I watch it every single Tuesday. I'm like, well, we're not on then, but thank you. You, you never, you let them say whatever they want to say and you try never to correct them because you might just embarrass them. And, and maybe they're nervous, I don't know. But <laughs> the one thing I found out, um, I enjoyed doing the TV show immensely. And you, the one thing is you don't get very much immediate reaction as far as what you're doing because there's no audience for everything. But we got so popular and we shot so much out in parking lots or in the streets and stuff, there would always be a mob of people you know, watching us and seeing things. And you have to keep them quiet so you can film it without all the extra noise. But when we would shoot a funny scene or do something funny, you can get the vibe from the people that are watching. So I knew we were doing well because of, of the laughter. But when I did the movie, it's 100% different. I mean, I, I used to hear people saying how hard it was to do movies and I'm like, what do you, you walk out on stage, you say your line and you go back and have a glass of wine or whatever, how hard can it be? But when you're filming a movie, unlike a TV show, you have to film it from so many different angles and so many different times. And I didn't realize you might take 40 takes for one scene. Whoa. It doesn't mean that, it might, doesn't mean that any one of them was bad. But like you'll you'll shoot a scene and the camera is just on me, and then you'll shoot it again with camera on say KK, and then you shoot it from above and you shoot it from below and you and you're like oh, come on how many times do we have to do this and when you when you have a particularly difficult line where you have to react in a certain way, um, after you do it ten or eleven times you're like what else do you want from me? But they have to you know keep doing it and. Uh, my favorite story from the movie is we had one really difficult scene and it was late in the day and I was tired and I myself was 100% responsible for screwing up every time I would do something wrong. And finally they're like, come on, you know, Mike, please do this correct. We want to go home. So, and it was where I had to yell and show a lot of emotions and throw my arms around. And I did the scene perfectly, but I called KK um, Bernice. <laughs> and I, I go, there, that's the perfect one. And they're like, yeah, but you got to use the right name, you knucklehead. And I, I ruined the whole scene. So that was, that was one of my favorite stories on film and the movie. But there's so much hurry up and wait. Uh, I still wouldn't trade it for anything, but it, it can be a long, hard process. So I, I gained a lot of respect for anybody that's ever done a movie i've done movies before but just small parts this is my first time as a lead and when you're the lead you're in quite a few of the scenes so you don't hardly get any time off because if they're like if they break just do a scene with two other people by the pool or something 
you can sit down during that time, but you, you don't need it an hour later to do another scene. So uh, it's not easy, but uh, it's not easy to work in a factory or not easy to work as a waitress or a waiter. So I'll, 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 I'll take the movies. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was it like to have a finished product? Like you said, you've been in movies before, but you're the lead in this movie. What was it like to actually have the finished product? Because you've actually seen the whole movie through because you played the whole movie. So what was it like? So what was it like when it was over with? Uh, well, the first, the most interesting part of that is when you see the final cut of the movie, you actually see a lot of the scenes that you weren't in because like if I had a break, like I said, okay, you know, I don't even know what to call my favor, uh, Gordon. Yeah. I take a break, go relax for an hour and then we'll call you when we're ready for your next scene. I don't know what's being filmed. Let's say they're filming something with the, Renata, who was my sister and her, my dad in the movie, um, I don't know what they're doing. So until I see the actual final cut of the movie, I, I never knew that was part of it. I mean, you see it in the script, but that's totally different than when you actually see it being acted out. Um, also, I didn't know, you know, you see a rough cut of the movie and then they kind of do some editing and then they do another thing and you see layers of the movie. And um, I remember, I, I'll, I'll get killed for saying this, but like when I saw the first draft, I'm like, wow, I don't know about this. But <laughs> I, I, I must say that after you see it colorized and edited and the sound in there and everything, uh, you know, because the first time I saw it, all of a sudden this, the screen would go blank and there's nothing for two minutes. That's where something's going to be added in. So it's a very strange feeling to see the first cut of a movie. But when I saw the final cut, uh, I, I was very impressed with the work that they did and how they, the movie magic that they used was just unbelievable. We didn't have any like green screen stuff, but there's no explosions or anything, but there were some tough scenes to shoot and they just came up with these fantastic ways to get the right shot. Um, the only the only kind of unusual thing we used in the movie was that there was we used a drone, and that was fascinating to watch how they filmed from they can fly the drone overhead and film you from up there, and we've got some fantastic shots. But if you go to Jerry Curl's movie trailer, you can see the trailer of the movie, and it opens up with the drone above two huge condominiums on Miami Beach, the blue and green diamond, and the buildings are beautiful. And the drone comes flying in off the water over the buildings. That that is a spectacular shot in a trailer. So go and check out the trailer. All right, and definitely, uh, can we plug anywhere where anyone can uh, find find out information about the movie about you? Um, do you have any other events that are going on leading up to the movie being released? Um, well, if you go to it's it's G E R R I C U R L S movie trailer jerry curls movie trailer all one word on youtube you can see the actual uh trailer and you can follow me or you can follow kk or you can follow jerry curls the movie and there's all kinds of behind the scenes stuff and uh, shots of me and the other people in the movie uh and it's, it's really interesting okay 
And once again, Mike Rogan, I want to thank you so much for coming on West Virginia Uncommonplace. Um, the thing that we love to do, we love to just have people on that, you know, uh, inspire others to to want to do more because you, um, and a lot of people probably don't pay attention to this, but you being in a movie and you taking that step to go further with your career could be the blessing that someone else needs to further their career or to even just get out of the bed and say, hey, um, Mike went out here. He made an excellent movie. Let me get out here and do something spectacular. You know what I mean? That type of motivation is hard to find. Yeah, well, just dream your dream and just don't let anybody tell you no. I went to Los Angeles right out of high school to be a stand-up comedian. And I can tell you with all honesty, I failed miserably. And uh, then I just, I gave up. I went back and I thought I'll just join society and won't be on stage. And uh, I did a few little things here and there. And then all of a sudden, one day I got spotted by somebody and they put me in the show, the TV show. And like they say, the rest is history. So if you have a dream and it doesn't come true right away, hang on to it. I, it only took me 40 years. But you made it though. That's a, the whole big deal. Yes, I did. And I'm, I'm very happy I did. And, and uh, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate anybody that watched the show or anybody that's going to see the movie and as long as they walk away and saying i just had fun for 30 minutes or i just had fun for an hour and a half i'll, I'll be delighted all right and glad to hear that so once again mike rogan i want to thank you for being on west virginia uncommonplace we're signing off all right thank you goodbye please follow wv uncommonplace on instagram tumblr twitter tiktok where we have some great content Facebook, LinkedIn, hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site. Join the email list from the website, and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.